0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. It's crucial that you are ready to meet the Lord. However, Jesus taught us that most people would not be ready. You may ask, why is that? Perhaps the most simple answer is, the cares of the world have taken them from their focus on the kingdom of God. In Daniel chapter 8, we see how suffering often takes our focus off the things of God. It is easy to miss that as we watch, work, and wait for God, He is preparing us for His arrival. Let us all pray that we're ready for that day. To hear how Daniel, a great man of God, prepared himself, let's join Pastor Jim as he concludes his message, Busy Waiting. Do you
1: know what God would do in your life if you allocated five texts or phone calls a week just reaching out to people? That's not a lot of time. That is not a lot of time. You know, pick three people you know who are Christians, you can encourage, pick two people you know who are not and just encourage them. You could you could do a lot in that. Because I know there's a lot of people, you're taking care of sick people, or you are sick. Some of the sick people, they contact me and go, all we can do is pray for you. I'm like, what is this all we can do stuff? Without you, we don't keep going. Without you, I get up here in the announcements and go, eh, nobody joins small groups, we're financially bankrupt, and uh, well, the kids are sitting in with us because there's nobody in the kid's wing. No, no, you're keeping the fire burning. See, the driving passion of Daniel's life was the king's business. And that you take to the workplace with you every day. You take it to school with you. You take it at home, raising your family or whatever you're doing. So instead of isolation, Daniel's old. He could retire now. Instead of isolation, instead of being a consumer of religious goods and services, like so many people are in the United States, Daniel chose involvement. Despite what is going on around us, despite what the future might hold, the Lord Jesus calls us, calls you. I want to make this personal. Calls you and empowers you to live for him. Please hear me on this. I want to, I want to be as crystal clear as I can. Your work, your ministry, and you have one or multitudes, Matters. I want to say that again. I want to. I want, if, I, if I if I could if I could brand it onto your arm, I would. Your work, your school, you're serving at home, you're serving at your job, whatever you do, you're serving the church. Whatever you do, your work, which is your ministry, and you have one. It matters. We got to drop some of the ideas we have regarding church. Some of us grew up with the idea of the holy man on the stage. I'm doing all my best to just to get rid of that. Some of them wear long robes. Listen, some of them, I grew up in that thing. I was an altar boy. Some of them seemed like decent guys. And some of them were drunks. That little bit of wine they drank, the whole bottle was gone by the end of the morning. They're men. Spurgeon said, the best of men are men at best. We got to drop that holy man thing. We got to drop, in evangelicalism, the celebrity pastor term. Those two words should never be heard or ever written in the same sentence. There is no such thing as a celebrity pastor. No such thing. A pastor is a servant of the people. That's what it's about. And the minute you think, and I'll say this to any guy who's a pastor here, the minute you think that the people are supposed to serve you, you need to go find another job because we're certainly not going to pay you for that. There is no such thing as a celebrity pastor. I hear about these guys, they're untouchable. Untouchable. Was our savior untouchable? And he was a bit of a celebrity. You are not a second string player in God's plan. You are not. And don't let anybody ever make you think that or feel that way. You are not going to alter God's plans if you make a mistake. But you've got to get in the game. Again, I know I keep repeating myself, but I want to burn some of these concepts into your soul. You are not a second string player. You are not going to make a mistake. You're not going to alter God's plans if you make a mistake and you've got to get in the game. We said a few months back earlier in this Daniel series, God knew you would live in this time and this place. He knew it. He knew that you and I and and the and the true Christians of our area would be the people he would want to use to reach a lost and hurting generation. Now, you look around at each other and you think, this is a motley crew. I mean, this, you've got to be kidding me. God's going to use us? Yes. Yes. Why? So everybody would go, well, it's got to be God because it certainly couldn't be them. <laughs> See, that's how God gets the glory and that's how the power of God moves. God knows that He could do whatever He wants through you. So the real question is do you believe God? I didn't ask you if you believe in Him. I asked you do you believe Him? Do you believe what He says? Do you believe that He calls the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? I've gotten a couple calls from South Jersey being on the radio down there. People who went to college with me, they're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) They heard me on the radio or most of them, it's their wives told them about me. And and so they listened. They're like, are you kidding me? Or they heard from one, a couple heard and they told other people like, this guy's a, a pastor now on the radio. Yeah, God takes the foolish things of the world. Hello. To confuse those who think that they're wise. The Apostle Paul said this, Colossians 3 17, and whatever you do, that's not like whatever, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all. Some versions say do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do matters. Job, home, school, wherever it matters. You know, I hear a lot of people these days very casually talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now ah, it all doesn't really matter. The rapture is going to happen any minute. Ah, it all doesn't really matter. The Lord's going to come any minute. And, then, and the mail and the emails, I, they're just, it's just coming in in droves. They've got my home address. I don't know how they get it. From, from the church growth movement guys, and they're saying that we have, to, we have to figure out new strategies for engaging, parentheses, entertaining people so they keep coming to church. You know, most of you know that I, I sat in the congregation for many years, later life converts sat in the congregation for many years before I began preaching. I read those things and I go, they think we're stupid. They think we're stupid. I realize a large portion of the people in church want to be entertained. But that's not what being about the king's business is about. In Matthew 24, Jesus talked about being ready for his return. And since we don't know when, we are to live in a state of constant readiness. But in the parable that Jesus told at the end of that chapter, he said that most people won't be ready. Because they will not be about the king's business. So, followers of Jesus, we need to be more involved in our church. When I mean our church, do I mean here? Yeah, but but in the lives of one another? Yeah. We need to be more involved in our world. But that's not just like giving somebody something. It's really, it's really helping them, being about the king's business. And proclaiming the King—that's what it means to work in the kingdom. You know, just—I know a lot of people are like, well, we're handing out this, and we're handing out that, and we're handing out this. But listen, do you hand it out and pray with people? Do you hand? I think it's great. Like, you, some—you see these lines of people lined up at a church for food, and then you know, I've, I've known a lot of places like that, and I go, well, do you tell them anything about Jesus? No, we don't want to offend anybody. Number three. So from watching our world and working in the kingdom, we go to busy waiting is waiting for our king. The end of verse 27. I was astonished. Another version says appalled. Another one says greatly disturbed by the vision, but no one understood. Now, if you haven't been here for a long time, I want to repeat something that I've said many, many times before. When it comes to waiting, Waiting is not sitting around. You know, when you go to the doctor, you sit in the waiting room and then they call you. Waiting on the Lord is what we do while we're waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Do, do we understand? We're not idle. The kingdom would go nowhere if God's people were idle. Now, he's chosen to use his people to spread the good news of the gospel. If I were God, there's a scary thought. Maybe I would have had a different plan, but that's the way he's chosen to do it. So waiting for the Lord is what we do until the Lord fulfills his promises. Now, Daniel has the vision. The angel Gabriel explains it to him earlier in chapter eight. Yet who this was about and when it was gonna happen, hundreds of years in the future, and why it was gonna happen it was unclear to Daniel. The vision contained suffering for the future people of God. They're back in Jerusalem. So wondering why is all this going to happen is a logical question. Now we can easily say it's the sin of the people of God. But Daniel was a man who was very sensitive to the consequences of the sin of the people of God. Now, In America, in the church, we don't even talk about sin anymore. It's like, it doesn't even matter. If I hear another pastor say, the pastor's job is to make the people leave feeling good about themselves and happy about everything, I'm just gonna be like, what do you get? I'm gonna start writing letters. This is about Christ and him crucified. And if that doesn't bring joy to your soul, I don't know what else will when things are not going well for you. So as we wait, it's not unusual to to say to God because it breaks our heart, God, man, the consequences of sin, the terrible suffering, what is this? But here's an important thing to remember. Those of you who have some theological understanding, there's a lot of theological answers for how sin brought suffering into the world. But we need to remember that for people who are suffering, you're usually not gonna help them very much by giving them the theology. I've heard people in hospital visits and I've been in hospital visits and somebody says, well, I don't know why this happens. And somebody's like, well, you know, Adam sinned and Matt brought a cataclysmic thing to the world. And I'm like, shut up, right? Put your arm around them. And maybe shed a tear yourself like Jesus did at the tomb of Lazarus. That's why the Bible wisely tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Instead of telling us, just have all the theological answers for everybody that just don't fit the right moment. Those things are not worth a hill of beans to people. Today and say this in the last service, today is the 20th anniversary of my dad passing away. When I call my mom who just got out of the hospital and now is in a rehab unit, do you think that the theology of of sin and suffering is worth anything to a woman who has been mourning for 20 years? She needs a son to call her. She doesn't need a, a theological lesson. It's a bunch of baloney. Oh, sure. Teaching a Bible class, sitting around with guys talking about it. Yeah, that's fine. Because the answers that people really want often don't come. Yet despite that, Daniel keeps pressing on. He's not paralyzed by his confusion. Earlier in the book, Daniel was able to interpret the dreams of others, but interpreting his own dreams are more difficult. Now, I'd say they're more involved, but they're more difficult. And the Christian life is often that way. That's why we need each other. Have you noticed that it's a lot easier for you to figure out other people's problems than it is to figure out your own? Have you noticed that? I mean, I can't tell you how many times. My wife is here. I wish she wouldn't listen to what I'm about to say. Babe, don't you got to get a cup of coffee or something like that? (laughs) I can't tell you how many times in marriage counseling I have told couples something and the voice of the Holy Spirit says, hey, Jim, that's pretty good. (laughs) You should try that at home. (laughs) It's always easy for us to see how to fix other people, but not fix ourselves. But Daniel stayed at it. Some people would say, well, he doesn't have the spiritual blindness that other people have. But perhaps we have forgotten. And these words could not be more fitting to our times that a big part of trusting Jesus is being faithful in the unknown and we live in a huge time of the unknown right now and true faithfulness is following jesus when you don't know what's next a famous verse deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29, the secret things belong to the lord our god some people go to you let me tell you the secret things you go you don't know them they belong to god but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Why did God reveal certain things to us? That we may do all the words of this law. God makes things clear to us so we can live out our faith until a day when he makes them either clear to us or clear to everyone. No matter what, until the second coming of Jesus, Life will include joy. There will be joy. There will be happiness. Sometimes you'd never know it to look at a lot of people. As well as there will be pain and suffering. But that was the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ, God become a man, lived in perfect faith and trust in his heavenly father. 24-7. That blows my mind. That blows my mind more than all of the miracles put together that constant faith and trust always. Now, that does not mean that you have to think about God every sec- second of the day. I don't think Jesus did. You say, well, you have any evidence for that? Well, we know he was a carpenter. Some people thought that he was made tables. Other people thought he might've been a stonemason. Either one, right? Not concentrating on what you're doing is a good way to lose a finger, Right? So, when Jesus was making a table or doing mason work, whichever it was, you go home and debate those things yourself. Do you think he was focused on the job? Yes. How is he doing the job? For the glory of God. Because whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. So, while we often say that Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins, he did but he also lived in perfect faith and trust in your place and in my place. And we put our trust in him. God credits us with living that perfect life. And so now Jesus calls us to watch and to work and to wait to serve the kingdom of God and people around us just like Jesus did until the second coming. And it is true. Those of us who are walking with the Lord, you're an exile in this land. You're a stranger in this land. You're an oddball, an odd bird in this land. In this world, you are a pilgrim. What is a pilgrim? Someone who's not home, but they're on their way home. But at the second coming, Jesus will return to take us home. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say this with a broken heart of love. I want to say this with all the sincerity that I have in the world. I don't want you to feel guilty with what I'm about to say, but I want you to hear this if you're not a follower of Jesus. And I, and I, I really asked God this morning at like 4.30, I was like, God, can I have your heart to say this? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are not ready for the second coming. You're just not. Jesus will come as a judge at the second coming. And the criteria for heaven will be, did you receive him as your savior or did you reject him as your savior? And if you didn't receive him, then you have rejected him. See, the only way to be ready for the second coming, the only way for the forgiveness of sins in eternal life is by trusting in the Jesus of the first coming as your Savior and Lord. So again, you're ready for the second coming by putting your trust in Jesus of the first coming. Put your trust in him. The night before the cross, Jesus was praying this. John 17, four, he says to his father, I have glorified you on the earth and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, giving all the credit to the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in you, wouldn't you be able to love to say that to the Lord? Wouldn't you love to be able to say that I glorified you. I did my best, God, with your help to glorify you and to finish the work you have given to me. And I think, guys, we have to stop thinking it's something so big. Jesus said, you give somebody a cup of water in my name. Like, you give somebody a cup of water and you let them know about me. That you've done a great thing in the kingdom. So stop thinking it has to be some big thing. Stop, stop thinking that you're second string. You're not second string. God didn't save you to sit on the sidelines and watch. Rather, to get you into the game of kingdom work, to be faithful. Because at the end of the day, to be faithful to what God has called you to is what really matters. It's what really matters. You know, I, I said to you earlier, a couple months back, probably who knows how, six months back or whatever, that one-third of pastors are thinking of quitting. And I think the number's actually much higher. And I broke the bad news to you that I'm a member of the two-thirds. So I'm not thinking about quitting But do you know why I'm not thinking about quitting? Because God has said to me, I haven't haven't called you to stop being faithful to the calling I put on your life. He's like, is it that simple for you? It's actually that simple. It's actually that simple. I don't want God to look at me and say, you weren't faithful, man. You weren't faithful. As we often say, God so gracious for a follower of Jesus. He doesn't count our sins against us, yet he counts our faithful service and kingdom work for us. And if you want it to be, it's joyful work. It's certainly an attitude of the heart, and I pray that God gives us all an attitude like that and gives us his heart for his work. I pray that God gives us his heart that bleeds for a lost world For a hurting world, may we be busy waiting until we meet our glorious King. We might not know the secret things, but we do know that we are called as individuals and as a church to declare the goodness of our King and to be about the King's business and as Jesus was about his Father's business It's so others can become children of God.
0: Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Change by Love.